I like your uh, funky kind of background now. Thank you. Yes. Coordinated with your vest there. Yeah. Well, I was saying um, yesterday when I was out for a walk that like, you know, everything that I own is kind of color coordinated as a result of like wearing a fairly limited palette. (laughs) So like, you know, everything kind of goes with everything and that's like largely uh, blues and greens and then like golds and pinks. So, yeah. I like that you know that much. And I was thinking this morning that it would be so cool to do an episode about fashion and ADHD because you'd be so knowledgeable. And I was thinking about it today because I I favor either black turtlenecks Mm. or like what I got going on today, which is like uh, three different patterns, like Earth Mother kind of like I just need to be comfortable kind of vibe. And a very Vancouver version of that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like. Yeah, just comfort being the number one thing and just feeling kind of cozy and safe. Right? Totally. Scarves make me feel that way. I think it would be so cool to talk uh, just about that. I think that you would know so much. Well, while we're doing pitches, I have a few mm. things because so I've got I've got a number of things that have just been rattling around in my head for mm. um, as long as like, you know, several weeks that I keep forgetting to bring up with you. Um, so we'll go chronologically working from the least recent so something that was really funny to me about i think two or three episodes ago was you said something like because you're talking about how you're not a morning person and you said something like don't talk to me until i've had my coffee and time to stare at a wall or something like that (laughs) and i think that i think that a coffee mug with that on one side and then just the name of the show and the silhouette of the squirrel on the other side would be a really funny little merch idea um, so I'll Love see if I can that. like find the actual phrase and put that together. Um, so that was one idea that I had. Uh, and then another one that I had, so this was a result of me thinking about Anchor. Um, so there was a mm-hmm. podcast that I listened to, uh, the Souped Up Records podcast. And basically what they're doing is using Anchor's technology, which since Spotify bought them out is now fully integrated with Spotify's features. So they use their podcast as a way to promo their catalog, but also get plays for themselves. So it's Mm -hmm. like they'll just talk about a song that either came out recently or something from the back catalog and then it cues right into a Spotify play. So they don't actually have to try and mix speech and music separately and all these things and eq them differently because they're just using anchor and just dropping in a lego of them talking about a song and then a a lego of the spotify link and just doing it Mm. that way and so what i was thinking is that like that would be an interesting thing for minisodes um there was one particular song that i was thinking of that like i heard it a few years ago and i had never ever heard anything close to my experience with mental health uh, and depression articulated that well. And it was just like, and so I think it would be interesting to do kind of a mini episode that's like that song and then like me talking about that song. But I don't actually have to do the effort of doing any of the clearance or the royalty stuff because that is all done on Spotify's back end because it's integrated with Anchor because they've, got that licensing all embedded in their stuff so you can do things like that without actually having to worry about stepping on toes artistically as long as you're kind of working within the pool of content that they have available on spotify so that's so cool so i don't know if that means that some episodes might not be available in certain countries kind of depending on like what region a a certain song is available in on spotify Um, Mm. but, uh, we can also include a download link to like the band camp or a YouTube video of it or whatever to try and like cover bases for people who not may, who may not be able to access the source. Um, but yeah, I thought it would be an interesting kind of, um, kind of tool and, and something that I was thinking about, like, is a really, really easy way for me to start doing uh, a music podcast, which is going to be basically like when I had a college radio show. Because <laughs> it's like, I don't have to worry about, again, about the recording or the licensing or any of this stuff. It's just like, talk about a song that I heard that week for two to three minutes and then put the Spotify link in. Like, I can, you know, record that material so fast. So, yeah, just interesting kind of like form experiments. So, that was another mm-hmm. one. Um, 
And then the blurb, uh, I don't know if you saw the fucking tagline I put in the in the second version of that. I thought that was really funny. So <laughs> I love it. And it's so funny because his brother was just on his way out and I and I was telling him about that because we just had this delightful conversation this morning about trying mm. to channel more positivity and look for more joy mm. and delight and things. And so I just thought that was so timely and and so necessary because it's so easy to get caught up in the turmoil. Yeah, totally. And and our minds are already prone to negativity bias and we have the rejection sensitivity just <laughs> like there's so much, yep. right? So to actively be hyper focusing on the positive, not just thinking about it in an abstract sense, but really giving it the attention that it needs. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Well, and I think um it's interesting. So, are, are, do you know about um, fuck? Was it Dolly? I think Dolly's Dolly's concept of the the paranoiac critical mode. <laughs> so, mm. like, it was it was him basically trying to like give himself schizophrenia uh, and like trying to kind of think about um, and, and interrogate all of his points of view from all possible lenses uh, and basically. One of the kind of central tenets of that was effectively thinking magically. Did I say tenants? I hope I said tenant. Tenant? Mm. How the fuck do you say tenet, that? Tenant? Tenant or tenant? Central tenets. <laughs> One of the central tenets of that <laughs> is that, um, uh, uh, shit, where was I going with this? That he was challenging all his points. Yeah. And, and so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, his, 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 he was walking around like the world was trying to tell him something all the time. He was always engaging mm. in like magical thinking. And, mm. and so I think that like, that is, again, like, a, a powerful way to kind of like, give yourself, uh, you know, some semblance of like a lens of control on, on what's kind of going on. Um, mm. and, and just kind of like have that awareness of, of just like interrogating where all that stuff comes from. I totally fucking forget where I started. I am down like four different spirals right now. Oh, it's all good. Cause we, we were talking about, um, hyper focus on the positive and how, um, how it, right. it, it is, it is tough to do that, uh, with our ADHD brains. Right. So instead of, of, of trying to like be hyper aware of all of the hidden messages that the world was trying to tell him as Dolly was, we should be trying mm. to be hyper aware of all the different good things that happen and really notice those things. Like, you know, when the tea is just the right temperature, <laughs> something right. that's something that's easily accessible, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, when you go outside and the weather doesn't hurt your feelings, <laughs> like that's something to celebrate, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, just making the bed. So sometimes for me, it's just like the most simple things will give me great joy. And this morning, I went out for a walk. I've decided now I have to be more. This, you know, we're talking about organization and structures a bit, but. Um, I've decided I have to go out for that walk first thing in the morning mm. before I access technology mm. because technology for better or worse can um, sometimes harm my mood for the whole sure. day. So today I went out for a walk just for a, like a little one, you know, like 20 minutes, just kind of walking around Kitsilano in the neighborhood. And I was passing by Kitsilano park, not Kitsilano park, uh, Connaught park and this older Swedish gentleman and like literally in a fedora and like a dark coat says mm. good morning to me like he's walking of course in the bike lane and I'm on the sidewalk and lots of space and I said good morning back and he said well isn't that astonishing you're the first person to respond to me <laughs> and I was like oh, that's okay and he was saying that when he goes over to commercial drive which is like East Vancouver nine out of ten people and I mean obviously this isn't scientific or anything but he says nine out of ten people respond back when he says good morning right here in this neighborhood in the more posher streets people don't say hi back mm. and his perception is that so I guess if you're wealthy you're too busy to be polite <laughs> And I was like, well, I don't know about that. But like, I, you know, I was just like, yeah, it's, it's, everyone's kind of got their own things going on. But what was delightful to me is that he felt like he could engage me in that conversation right. from a distance. None of it was upsetting. It was just a delightful little exchange with somebody who actually shares my view that sometimes um, people really do need to pull their heads out of their asses and just say hi on the street. Right. You're not going to get COVID from 20 <laughs> sure. feet away. Like yeah. you can say hello. Right. Totally. Anyway, that was my little delight this morning. So it started my day off to in a good way uh, instead of um, going into whatever um, 
breathtakingly awful thing is happening mm. in the news cycle or on social media, you know? Yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to do it every day now. So today was like day two, you know, provided I'm feeling well enough. Like I know my health's been kind of sporadic these days, but just those 20 minutes of just like the bird song this morning, it was like, it was definitely symphonic. There were so many different birds chirping and like, cause it's getting into mating season. So they're all, you know, trying to get each other's attention. Yeah. <laughs> it's like actually loud. They're just like out there like screaming. And I saw an eagle getting harassed and chased away by a couple of seagulls and some crows. So those are nice images to start the day with. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just thought I'd share that little anecdote because nice. it was, it was, it, it has been with not feeling well. And then the, the compulsion to pick up my phone is really strong sometimes because I think I'm going to get a dopamine hit, but it's not really what happens. I think I'm going to, I, I, I'm, I'm, what it is for me is I know that I can't, because I've been, I've been thinking about this all day is like, is like what I really need to do is just fucking plug my, like take, take email and stuff off my phone and only have my phone basically be mm -hmm. like, you call me or you text me. That's like kind of what I need it for because I'm not really mm -hmm. out of the house very often these days. Let's be real. So then like mm -hmm. I should be able to plug my phone in the morning and leave that upstairs or whatever while I'm downstairs doing work and trying to do things that earn money and blah, blah, blah. But mm -hmm. I'm just like hyper paranoid that if I leave my phone not on my person and I have my headphones on or something, I'm going to miss some sort of money making opportunity by that phone not being within reach. And I'm just like mm. that. I'm, 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 I'm hyper focused, excuse the pun on that need to make money right now. Like above all, that is where I, what I'm orienting on right now. And mm. so the sad irony is I'm going to be so much more productive without that fucking thing around me because I recognize that I'm, I'm not easily able to keep myself from just like looking at whatever. So that's part of why it would make sense to take off email and Twitter and all that shit off of that. Um, mm -hmm. But then, yeah, it's just like the thing that I'm doing to try and not miss out on money is probably costing me money in terms of productivity. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then just like your, your capacity to really generate meaningful things, right. That, yeah. that would lead, to, that would lead to um, money, right. Yeah. You, you just, you can just be more focused. And did I send you the link? I can't remember. Cause I, I know I made a mental note to of a, it was a New York Times podcast with the guy who wrote um, Deep Work, Cal Newton. Have you heard of him? Uh, I You've brought him up before, I think. And I haven't, I don't know if, if you did send it, I haven't looked at it yet. Um, um, yeah. So it's, uh, so it's a podcast with an accompanying article. And of course, it's, you know, it's New York Times. So it's, you know, super high production value right. and all that kind of jazz. But the conversation that uh, he and Ezra Klein have about the the quality of work and how he's got a new book out which i'm mm -hmm. not remembering the name of right now but it's it's more of a call to action to the people that are organizing uh workspaces and how um the rise of the what he calls the hyperactive hive mind mm. um where we're kind of all on slack we're all on teams and we're perpetually communicating with one another has eroded any sense of being able to specialize and really go deep on what our real skills are because we're spending all of our time in really what's just admin work. We're just yeah. like constantly answering emails, answering uh, Slack messages and, you know, trying to put, trying to block time in our calendars to do things. But those things don't happen because somebody called an emergency meeting or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I am speaking more in terms of like larger organizations, um, but it just speaks so well to the idea that you can't, you feel as though you can't leave your phone out of the room because, you know, somebody may have such an urgent thing that if they don't hear back from you within an hour or two, they're going to move on to the next person. Uh, but I don't, I mean, I don't believe that that's true. I think when somebody really does want to offer you something, they won't, they're not going to ghost on you just that easily. But that, that, that fear that you're talking about, that anxiety, I think is real because we've been so hyper-connected now for, um, 
the better part of, you know, in my case, like 15 years at least. Like, um, and I haven't even worked in that many office spaces, but right. I'm still connected that way. And so I just thought it was such an interesting conversation for the two of them to have to, to say that there is kind of a reckoning happening right now. What they're predicting is that hopefully in five years, organizations are going to start to pull away from that. And there's even developers now that are working in some smaller startups and they have it structured in such a way that the developers literally sit down with a partner and they do their work. They don't have access to any email, any Slack channels, any phone. They have a manager who who takes in that information and then dispenses it to them based on need. So they're not constantly feeling like they have to pull away from their work and do right. what they, you know, what somebody's asking a random question that they could have answered themselves through a Google search or whatever. And and what's happening is that they're leaving work at three o'clock in the afternoon. Their work is so intense that they start like at seven or eight. They have, you know, lunch or whatever, but then they, when they're done work, they're done. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's no emails hitting them at seven, eight, nine, whenever at night, there's no teams messages, you know, to try to build rapport at nine o'clock at night or happy hour or yep. any of that stuff. Right. And I just thought it was so interesting because for my brain, I think if I was to be able to hyper-focus on something I was really, really good at and really skilled at, that would just be joyful. That yeah. would be like a joy to work in that environment instead of constantly feeling resentful about getting pulled into meetings that could be emails or, um, you know, random questions coming through the Teams or the chat. And I mean, I remember even way back at iStock, right? Remember all that, like when we use like MSN Messenger? I think it'd be bouncing all freaking day. <laughs> it used to drive me crazy. So that 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 culture, that's that's that that sort of um, what was the phrase that you used? Something social hive mind, hyperactive hive mind. That's right. Now hyperactive hive mind. That was a big factor in in what uh, part of what led to my burnout. Certainly um, was uh, not only that constant influx of information and. I don't know, because it was never clearly communicated, of course, and different people have different expectations. There's never a company-wide policy on what Slack means. Like, it's, it was never mm. like, is Slack serious? Are Slack messages important? Are Slack messages to be treated as more or less important than email? Um, mm -hmm. how, how are priority messages to be communicated? Is that to go through a service ticket or is that to sort of thing where you email someone or should that be a phone call if it's that big of a priority? Like, should that be, you know, drop the fucking nuclear bomb of, of modern day office communication, like get somebody on the horn. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so that was never clear. And my, again, mm. I recognize now as part of ADHD, my hyper vigilance around not missing something that would have negative consequences for me because I was always feeling like I had too many balls that I, that I couldn't juggle up in the air. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and so I would always be hyper vigilant about monitoring that stuff, but it was BS most of the time. And the other part of mm -hmm. it is, is that because it was also a way for me to engage with people socially, I, as a very social person was drawn to that aspect of it too. So it was like, I was, it, I, it, I, like it's it's a very interrupty kind of thing for everyone, but especially for me. And then I'm also recognizing that I was prone to being distracted by it from like a social perspective too. So it was definitely not. It was where much more of my energy went than needed to. Um, and then the other mm -hmm. part of it was is that having that constant flow of people asking tasks of me um, really fucked with my ability to prioritize and kind of figure out what needed to be done and what was most important, which again, I now recognize as an executive dysfunction thing that regularly mm -hmm. neuro neuro uh, typical people don't have like that, mm -hmm. that, that. That's not a thing that most people deal with, but it's like, Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I can think so many times of days where I would get into the office at 6 a.m. I used to start my days at 6 a.m. partly because there was no one there working yet to interrupt me. Even the East Coast usually wouldn't be starting for like, you know, another hour. Maybe they'd started like at seven or something. Um, mm. So that was my time to get shit done uh, because someone would fucking ping me something at like 930. That would probably be a little bit of like a little small data ask or something. And I would just go down this like spiral rabbit hole of trying to figure it out mm. getting overwhelmed by the request 
seeking the person out to get clarifying information, them not getting back to me, me feeling stuck because I couldn't proceed on this one thing. And all the while, the thing that I was actually supposed to do that day that I knew about up until 929 that morning is completely fucking gone until I get that ping at 3.59 p.m. as I'm packing my bag going like, hey, do you have that stats report for like the UK whatever thing? And it's like, fuck, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, where did your day go? Well, fucking chasing this other thing for like, you know, <laughs> Gwen from marketing or whatever. Like, <laughs> oh, Gwen from marketing. <laughs> this, this thing that didn't exist until, you know, hours ago that mm-hmm. my supervisor had no idea about. And yeah, so just like, yeah, I, I have the sympathy for myself of recognizing that, like, again, this is executive dysfunction stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, it that, that, that part of it kind of sucks. So, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it does. But I, I, I don't, it's interesting because I'm not even working in it right now, but I, you know, I do anticipate myself getting back into a flow at some point and, or maybe not. I don't really know exactly what my future holds. It's just one of the things that they spoke to in the interview that his previous book, Deep Work, um, a lot of people, uh, resisted it or, um, and rightly critiqued it uh, for putting all the onus on the individual um, mm. to try and create structures for themselves. And, and it, it is funny, in my former employer, I did, in fact, try to do that. I was trying to lock down concentration time. I was trying to lock down. I knew that I was getting really scattered, and I was trying to do my best. Um, but the problem was that the company culture didn't support that. It was supposed to be a service culture. So uh, locking down time in your calendar really didn't mean anything if people just walked right into your office or picked up the phone, like you, you were saying earlier, or were constantly at you on Teams. So um, what they were saying is that it's the actual company culture that needs to shift away from um, the way that it is now, where you know a lot of organizations are service-based. It's like you're working for us and just always get the job done and always right. have that right positive attitude and everything. And I just I think there is a real opportunity for those kinds of things to shift. I know it's not really in my purview to make that change. I just would love to see it. I I would love to see organizations actually. And the the thing that they pointed to, too, is that it's not that these things have made companies more competitive, innovative or um, magical on any level. All they're doing is producing burnout. And, and people are leaving jobs sooner than they actually should because of that. And they're missing opportunities for real growth and real impact. And I think once they start to realize that that's happening, then, you know, I think the pandemic has disrupted the financial input for most places that aren't, you know, selling crap online. But I think, um, I really do think that there is an opportunity here and I'm trying to be po- positive and optimistic <laughs> about that. And, and I'd love to chat with you too, um, about scraping my LinkedIn profile because I realized mm. that I've been quite reactive on there in the last few months, and that's something that I had some awareness of. That I'm, I'm really, um, not necessarily negative, but I just feel like I went and I looked at it today, and I was like, oh boy. Mm. <laughs> um, and and I do believe these things that I'm posting about. Sure. It's just that, and I, you know, I don't want to give LinkedIn too much power, and, but at the same time. I think if somebody were thinking of hiring me for something and they see me totally on there, you know, taking Bell to task, maybe that's not the best. Although I do deeply believe that Bell is damaging people, but sorry, Bell, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> think joking. that that actually, I think that that actually is good branding is kind of having that, mm. uh, having that consistency and being able to soapbox where you soapbox. Um, you mm. know, people respect that. And it means that, Yes, it means that you'll miss out on some kinds of work, but that may be the kinds of work that we should be missing out on. You know, maybe maybe it's maybe it steers the right kinds of people clear. On the other hand, maybe it also attracts a certain kind of, you know, person or company um, uh, like the person who founded the company that we both work for. Um, who mm-hmm. recognizes like rough around the edges, like atypical kind of misfit people who are very, very creative and interesting and hardworking. Um, so mm. I, I, I think it's kind of like, you know, um, that, that, that cliche about finding your tribe, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and that, you know what, I forgot about that too, is that in the early days of iStock, it was very much about that, that many of the people that were working there, 
had never worked in an office environment before. A lot of people had come from working in bars, restaurants, performing in artists, musicians, yep. and it was it was working. I was doing data entry for an air filter company when I started there. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it, and and talking with my with my friend who works some um, for a, a newly formed, um, it's kind of like they're. Uh, what do they call it? It's a foundation, I guess, right? Mm. So they're they're working in public health, and her, she loves it. Super small team, uh, but the communication is clear most of the time. the The respect and the boundaries are all in place, and so I do believe that that it, it is possible to do it, sure. and, and that there are organizations that are, are starting from that place. They're starting from the place of understanding that. Um, the typical or the normative way of doing things doesn't necessarily result in innovation or, or deep creativity. It just, yeah, you just have this sort of wake of, of short-term employees or people that just stick with it, grinding their teeth and spend all their discretionary income on recovering right. when they're not at work. And I don't think that's really a way to go. This one, I don't know. It's funny because we were going to talk about getting organized yeah. today. And I guess this is kind of, I mean, it is it is a big part of it, right? That it's impossible to get organized if you're not in a place that doesn't support that in the way that like you have to get organized on their terms. And right. that's not really how your brain works. And that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, c- conversely, like <laughs> what's what's so so I'm going to I'm going to kind of go back to organization for a sec, because there was something that mm. you were talking about, um, some phrase you use that I wanted to bring myself back around to. So anyway, I'll, I'll maybe remember what I was going to talk about. But the other point, the point that I wanted to make mm. was um, that the better I get at organizing, the better I'm the, the, sorry. The more organizing I do in specific areas of my life, the more I'm seeing parallels of how to use those organizational structures in other areas of my life. And so mm. as a result, I'm getting better at, let's call it meta-organizing. Like I'm, I'm getting better at figuring out systems to organize and get organized from. And I'm also, by using this kind of database tool in a whole bunch of different ways, building kind of like basically Legos that I can take that structure and apply it to a different problem in my life by kind of like tweaking a few parameters and and just kind of like mm-hmm. thinking about the problem from a different perspective. So you said something about how so much of, of office work is administrative tasks and mm-hmm. how much of fucking life is effectively administrative tasks. Like, po- no, but really though, posting that selfie and fucking clicking the heart when your friends say you look cute, that, those are administrative tasks. And that's why getting part of part of the way, part of the reason that I'm getting organized in the way that I am using databases and tables is so that I can build systems to automate as much of that stuff as possible. And I can build effectively one of those personal social media manager organizers, but for just like, posting shit to my Instagram just so I don't, again, have to feel like I have a reason to keep my phone on my person because I'm going to miss out on some things. So it's like, well, no, I've got a point and shoot. If I'm going to go somewhere, I should carry that. And, you know, like... Um, just, just, just try and decouple myself from the idea of, of phone FOMO. Phone mo? FOMO phone? (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, that I think that's so smart, and and that's exactly what uh, one of the things that really jumped out at me when I finally gotten around to to reading Driven to Destruction is he says that our brains, you know, the ADHD brains, we crave structure and we seek it out, and we usually get it through work and school, right? So those things were stripped away in many ways uh, for a lot of people this year, and. What I've really noticed in myself is that without structure, I'm really prone to spirals. Like if I if I don't know that I have some accountability throughout the day to get certain things done and that this time I'm going to do this, uh, then I really do get sucked into the swirl of the news and social media. And and so what I've started doing is actually something that they um, that uh, Dr. Hallowell had mentioned on the ADD um, the attitude website, sorry, mm. um, that, uh, when you, when you do kind of an audit of how you're spending your days, you just like block it out hour by hour. Yeah. And I just started doing that today just, and realizing that like 35 minutes went away just, just with me, just kind of looking at uh, Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn Yeah, and, and, 
One of the things that's really standing out for me is something that Gabor Mate said in another talk that was unrelated, where he said, you can find out the news of the day in five to 10 minutes. You can find out everything you need to know by just scanning a couple headlines, and that's all you need. You do not need to go down all the rabbit holes and all the clickbaity articles and all the lifestyle things and then start comparing yourself to everybody else, which is one of my really bad habits. But I think that having that, the structures that you're referring to can be so helpful. It's just for me, just doing it. Mm. Like once I have it in place, I think I'll actually use it. It's just that lately I haven't because of this whole dental thing and, you know, a few other health issues. So I haven't wanted to commit myself but I think it's going to be start to become more and more important for me to create those structures in the day. Because, yeah, like when I had, um, when I worked, when we worked together way back in the day at iStock, I was so freaking productive. Even though I had a full-time job, I was still freelance writing. I had just written a book about Calgary. I was doing all kinds of shit. Getting up early in the morning to do my outside things, working, often working through lunch, which probably wasn't the best idea. But because I had a structure, I knew exactly Totally. These are the hours I have to work on the book. I have to get up at five today to finish these edits on these pages. So I'm going to do that. And I would do it. And then, you know, it forced me into having to output things, right? And, and I'm probably not saying it the way that I want to, but just like that when I when I have structures in place and they're really clear and my why is really clear, I guess that's the one thing I wanted to mm. really focus on is that when I know why something needs to be done, then I will do my, my best for it. But if it's just like a rote task, then it, it probably isn't going to get as much of my attention. But if I know why something needs to be done, and I also know that I have an intention around that, uh, then sometimes I think the sky can be the limit in that case, you know? Um, But when I don't, like I really do get aimless. It's it's really easy for me to just kind of lose, lose, lose sight of the prize or lose sight of my why and just kind of, you know, spend too much time meandering. I think meandering is a key word in our our vocabulary. I'm uh my my thing right now is like I'm I'm really kind of I I totally identify with what you're saying um because where what I've kind of had to accept in the last I don't know month or so is that I just I just have too much going on and I'm just totally flapping around just just totally scattered um and not getting anything done with anywhere near the intention or efficiency that. I not only want, but I recognize is healthy for me, given that, you know, I was I was a lot more able to keep up this pace of of kind of just like being awake and and active minded, I guess, for lack of a better word, <laughs> um, engaged, let's say that uh, when I was younger. And, you know, I'm like, I'm not I'm not quite at 40, but I'm getting there. And so it's like um, I, I just don't have the energy to to you know, go on four hours of sleep five days mm-hmm. a week the way that I used to or whatever to do all the things that I want to do. Like perfect world, I want to do at least two shows, maybe a third, um, do this newsletter and then run my two businesses and then whatever else. Ideally, those things are paying me enough money to sustain a living. But, you mm-hmm. know, maybe I even have to find paid work on top of that. I'm working towards that. Uh, that's another story. So mm-hmm. there's enough time in the week to do those things, but not the way that I'm trying to do them, which is thinking about a thing, taking a half of a run at it, getting like kind of 20 to 30 percent along the way for something and then something blocking me so I can't finish it and then totally forgetting about it until I pick it up and realize that like, oh, now I've left this guy that I emailed for two weeks hanging because I needed to sort out another thing and like I totally forgot Um, Mm. so I need to build those organizational structures to allow me to identify that if I want to do a thing every week, what are the tasks, what are the subtasks involved in that? And like actually Mm. have a little fucking tick list where it's like, okay, I need to, if I want to do an improv podcast every week, I need to find a guest. I need to book a time to record with that person. I need to do the recording. I need to edit it and I need to post it and I need to do marketing and promotion. And so I need those fucking tick lists of all these different things. And so mm-hmm. I'm building all those structures for all the areas of my life right now, but it's a fucking slog. Like it's mm-hmm. slow going. But again, like I'm, I'm recognizing how powerful it's going to be once it's all done. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things like that I'm, 
I don't know, I kind of admire you for that. You know, when I look at that air table that you set up just for us for this podcast, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is like super <laughs> fancy, right? Like, but it makes sense. Like all of it is so clear. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to share, I'm going to share something mm. with you. Um, mm. I'm just going to share my screen here and show you another air table of mine. So, uh, there we are. It's the air table reveal. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I have all these different ones. This one right here is I'm, what I'm figuring out how to do is I have a program on my computer called Garage Sale that's an eBay mm -hmm. listing program. And I pay some guy from Germany about 120 US dollars a year to use his software. And what his software does is it lets me dump in all of this information about these items that I have. And it's effectively a, a database with a user-friendly UX. So he puts a user-friendly front end mm -hmm. on a database to take the data of me building a listing in an intuitive way and format that in a way that eBay does it. So wow. this is what I'm doing right now is I'm basically building a version of this tool for myself. And wow. so this master view is like fucking everything about these different things. So Whoa. I've got the stage where something is, the brand, the category of kind of clothing item it is. This display name here, this is a formula that generates it based on these different categories. So it takes the brand, the category, the pattern, and the fabric type and makes a sentence out of it to say, Dale of Norway, sweater, Norwegian, knit, whatever. So all of this stuff is like this big ass fucking database and I've got measurements, I've got <laughs> oh pictures, God, all right. of this stuff. And then you can sort all this on all these different views. So. For example, I'm not going to use his name aloud since I'm talking, but this is a view that I built for mm. one of my clients. And now what I need to do is set these filters where so now I can set these filters to just the stuff that I know is going to fit him. So that's the size of shirt that he wears. And I can set this to an or and I'm going to put tag size is what's his pants that he wears. He wears a 3830. So let's see here. Tag size <laughs> is... Let's call this an extra large and let's see what this filter is. Um, so, yeah, so basically any of these items should fit this client. And so I can just send him this link and be like, hey, this is what I have in my inventory right now. Not all of it's for sale, but there's pictures of it and it's in your size. Let me know if you want this stuff. But yeah, so, wow. so, so, I'm, so I'm building just this one kind of tool that's going to be useful to my eBay business because it lets me automate mm. the listing building, which is the biggest fucking annoying pain in the ass part of doing that work. So, mm. so it's this thing that I don't want to do. So it's either I automate it or, you know, like find somebody else to do it for me. And I don't have the money for that right now. Um, but then also, again, this is something where using this data that I've built for that, I can take some of that stuff, some of these measurements things, some of these clothing database template things and use that in my style consulting business. And so when I work with a client, um, take pictures of their stuff while I'm over there and throw together a database of stuff like this using a template that I've already generated that I can just fill out using a form. Or um, again, just provide an easy way to create a custom view for someone to see like, hey, look at all this stuff that you know works for you and, and your body and your style or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, and then so I'm just like trying to, again, I think I talked about this before, but like build those structures for getting my chores done, <laughs> getting mm -hmm. like maintenance on housework and stuff like that, exercise, all those kinds of things. So just, yeah, building these DBs and calendarizing what I can. <laughs> you know, as somebody who I've like, who has long derided Excel and spreadsheets, like you make them actually sound really appealing and really vital. And, and for what you're doing, they are, you know, like my, like what I have is like a crappy little um, dollar store desktop calendar here. Um, where I've written some of the things, you know, deadlines, meetings, doctor's appointments, stuff like that. Um, because I'm struggling right now to use what you're describing in any kind of meaningful way. Because if it's not on my home screen or right there, um, if it's buried in other things, then I'm less likely to go to it. So I'm sure. trying to, I, I was trying to figure out a way to just so, make a calendar of my home screen. Yeah. Here, here, let, let, let me show you something. So I'll again share my screen here. Um, so this Google Calendar here, um, 
this I've not been updating it because again all of my stuff has fallen off. But mm-hmm. so let's go back to January when I built this thing and was using it in in enthusiasm with all of my different projects. Um, mm. So what this is is this is this is a master calendar. So this is the one that directly syncs with my phone, um, and it's one that you can use to integrate with Google Tasks if you want to turn this stuff into task lists that you can set to like, yes, I did this thing or whatever. But what Mm -hmm. this actually is, is this is actually seven different calendars, eight different calendars, excuse me, that are all different Airtable calendars that I have uh, synced to this calendar. So this is my master calendar. And if I just want to look at what's going on with my chores, it's like, okay, Uh, on Monday, I have to clean out the litter boxes, take out the recycling and compost bins. Um, and so I have all of these, these synced calendars and tables are Mm. all of the things that come out regularly in my life. So when I was doing Mm. the newsletter consistently Sundays, all the stuff that was schedulable and, and automatable, I scheduled and Mm -hmm. automated. And then things like this 12 PM zoom recording, 3 PM catch up with Dwayne, because it's still just a regular Google calendar. I can just double click something and drop in record with Robbie on mm. December 30th. And so that doesn't necessarily need to live in any of these air tables, but it's still on the master calendar that I'm using as my kind of like, what the fuck do I have to do today calendar, mm-hmm. basically, right? So yeah. again, it's just like, all of this represents an enormous amount of behind the scenes work that I've been yeah. doing over the course of like literally well you saw January the last few months I've been taking to do this and yeah that's not because I'm not putting the time in but long term this is the stuff that's going to lead me to be much more efficient in every area of my life so yeah yeah well high fives from over here because I think it's really impressive and I I I I feel the pull to start doing something a lot more like scaled back from what you're doing but just like setting myself up in a way uh, that, so I'm not surprised when appointments come up and then I'm not, um, double booking myself, which is something I've been doing chronically lately, uh, and, and getting the things done that I'd like to get done. And, and I know that because of my health sort of challenges, like I've said earlier, it's difficult for me to want to schedule too much. And I'm trying to keep it, you know, three to four hours a day to any kind of output. So I don't, um, I don't uh, harm myself when I'm trying to heal, but it's still, it's it's exhilarating and exciting to look at what you've got going on there. And for those that can't see it, we should maybe put a photo in the show notes or something, because I think there's so many people can benefit from that. Um, so many ADHD folks can benefit from a system that will work for them. That, and that's right. the challenge, right? Like I've been looking for systems and ways to get organized since the discovery in mid-November. Nothing has yet quite stuck for me. Uh, The bullet journals are really lovely, I think, if you're into like little symbols and you have super legible writing, but I'm not into either of those things. And I don't have legible writing, so that's not going to cut it for me. Um, So I need something that I can just like type in and still be able to read it the following day. Like, like my journal, I I never worry too much about people reading my private journals because they wouldn't be able to make sense of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that there's uh, definite value in that, right? Like, in, and when I look at a lot of, um, there's so many resources, you know this, there's so many resources online for how to get organized as an ADHD person. Um, but my thinking is that if, if it, if you don't use it, it's useless. Like if, if ever you, you know, you can hear about people doing all these different things and it, it seems to be working for them, but if your brain is not interested in it or doesn't totally. stick with it, it's not really all that valuable. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think the air table thing is starting to sound quite appealing to me. Well, but again, what's, what's kind of, <laughs> what's kind of shitty about it is, is that you can see that we had to go back to January. Um, that's partly because again, recent days I've, dropped off doing as many projects because I've recognized that I've taken too much on, um, Mm -hmm. at least until I build these systems to let me do those projects efficiently. Um, but then the other part of it is that, uh, uh, these stuff, these systems need maintenance. Like you have Mm -hmm. to actually take the time to do the input on this stuff as well. And that's, that's not a small amount of work. So that's kind of the next part of what I'm figuring out is, um, to what I was talking about before about, finding a good UX 
for this kind of database, I need to find a good input UX for like, you know, um, building a view for myself to easily enter the relevant details, effectively fill the relevant fields of that spreadsheet about a different, a given kind of event in my life that I need to put in my calendar or um, piece of clothing that needs to go into inventory that somebody borrowed or whatever um, to have an efficient way to just limit it to those five fields in like a form view or something. and kind of punch that in. So that's my next way mm -hmm. is to like, or next task along that line is to kind of figure out like an efficient input method so that I'm able to keep on top mm -hmm. of that stuff. Um, yeah. There's something mm -hmm. else I was, Oh yeah. So that's what I was going to say. So something else that I've been toying with for months, but again, I recognize that I have too much on my plate as is, so I'm not doing anything with it right yet is actually mm -hmm. doing either a stream or a YouTube channel, um, showing not only just neurodivergent people, but just regular people, how to use databases in a way that makes them not scary because they are incredibly yes. powerful and easy to use. Like I can't emphasize that they're once you get used to kind of thinking about restricting categories and maybe this is because I have ADHD. So I'm drawn to stuff like sets and permutations and combinations. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, if, if you can kind of learn to think about how to use the ways of looking at that information to solve your problems, they're so, so powerful. And so I wanted to do something like that, where you throw your problem at me, whatever that is from whatever area of your life, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, um, so somebody doesn't know what like the best areas of their garden to plant different things are. So like, there's gotta be a way to kind of figure <laughs> that stuff out with like, we know how much sunlight this gets and blah, blah, blah. And let's figure out a table to like optimize this <laughs> or, yeah, or, or somebody who's struggling with one area of their small business, like, um, you know, I, I want to be able to ship all of these things to all these different countries, but I don't know how to internationalize my business on a budget. And it's like, OK, well, here's, you know, a way to build a table that has thanks for joining my mailing list messages and thanks for your order messages. And, you know, if you have a problem, contact this person messages mm -hmm. in 10 different languages or wherever it is you're hoping to expand to. And mm -hmm. then you've got at least like, again, something you can, the way that I built the sentence with those keywords from those different clothing items, you can build an entire paragraph, a whole block of text with your customer's name and all that stuff in there by using these fields to, to populate all that stuff. That's all that like, survey monkey does is just mm -hmm. like take that database of your client list and populate that. And that's why the email shows up and says, Roberta, we've got your survey today. <laughs> it probably doesn't I say Robbie. I'm guessing it doesn't say Robbie because I, yeah, too often I'm put in Roberta on things or whatever. I love it when it says, Hey McDonald, cause I filled the things <laughs> in backwards. That was always really funny. Um, or Hey Vancouver. That's a, that's one too. Um, I think it's such a great idea, Jordan. I think you should do that because it's something I know I've struggled with for a long time and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I'm sure there's a lot of people, especially ADHD folks who are like, God, like, why can't I just get this, you know, uh, sorted out, right? Sorted. My partner always laugh about this because he hears sorted as sorted. Oh yeah. Every, S-O-R-D-I-D. Every, yeah. every single time we always have a chuckle. He's like, why is that sorted? I'm like, no, it's sorted. It's organized. And he's like, oh, right. That's Every hilarious. Time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, the, the just the just getting organized, even oh, my desktop. You know, it's actually not too bad right now. Um, but when I'm in the midst of trying to create something, or I'm in the midst of editing something, I don't ever think. And and I've had people show me how to do this. They're like, make sure you know you've got the right like um, file name and the date to make sure this is this. And yep, yep, yep. And then I get going, and all those things just fly out the window. Sorry, everybody, if you hear my chair, that was me squawking <laughs> there, but because um, I'm gesturing quite uh, wildly at the moment. But yeah, is that something that I've I have always struggled with um, with. Um, file conventions and naming conventions and my former job i remember at one point um my supervisor was like what is even going on because i would go to edit um video on the mac um but everybody had pcs but there was a, a mac for editing and i would go to edit 
something and then I would try to save it into like our big, you know, unwieldy um, Outlook system. I forget the name of the file storing, whatever it was called. Um, SharePoint. Right. Oh, yes. SharePoint. Good old SharePoint. Oh, good. Enterprise, anyway. baby. <laughs> so I would like put things in in a folder and things that made sense to me. And she'd be like, why can't I find anything? And I'd be like, well, it made sense to me to, to name it after the color of her glasses. <laughs> not by her name or the date that it was filmed totally. or you know the organization we were working with or anything like that just like the color of her glasses which i thought were the most interesting thing about her <laughs> sorry that's just like so yeah that's something i think i have the capacity to learn these things or maybe i don't like i don't know if it's something i need to to look at uh, because I know that I have all this creativity when I'm really, really excited about something. I can do great work. Uh, it's just that there's always this litter around it. Um, like I was talking to my friend Anne the other day, who was also recently discovered she has ADHD, but she's mm -hmm. super disciplined about her online stuff. Mm. And I said, how many tabs do you have open? She was like, four. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I had literally have 50 tabs open right now. And she's like, how do you even do that? And I'm like, how do I not do that? I'm afraid if I don't, if I close that, I'll forget about it. But then his Volta was like, he came up one day and he's like, where, like I have music going on YouTube or something, some kind of focus yeah, thing yeah, or yeah. whatever. He's like, I can't find this tab. Where is this tab? You, this mythical tab you speak of. And I'm like, it's right there. Like I know where <laughs> it is. Right. But nobody else, like if anybody were to look at my, my uh, external hard drive, that's a hot mess, too. Just, well, speaking mm. of which, so that, that's another, that's the adjunct mm. to what mm. I've been doing is is part of getting this database built means I have to get my files organized and specifically I have to get my photos organized. And mm. my photos are a fucking hot mess across three different computers and multiple mobile devices and all this other stuff. So that's the other part of what I'm doing is centralizing all of this stuff on a Dropbox account. Um, and just basically, it's crazy how much stuff is just overwriting because I've I've got the same different files stored in a dozen different places, even on the same computer mm. sometimes, because I took them off of an SD card in iPhoto, and then I took them manually off of the SD card with Explorer because I forgot that I imported them using whatever. And then I also imported them f on Adobe Bridge for six months when I was using that software. And so it's like, well, yeah, fucking no wonder my computer's chugging. Like, I'm storing, <laughs> like... 10 different iterations of the same photo. And then the other part of that is that I've never gone through and actually called like I there's there's five good photos from any given folder of stuff I took on any given day. But mm -hmm. there's 36 photos in there and most of them are not focused where they should be or poorly lit or blah, blah, blah. And so I actually need to go and do that work. But mm -hmm. in the meantime, I'm at least getting as organized as like sorted photos unsorted photos and then like the ones that i can identify are relevant to specific areas of my life like if it's very clearly a product shot of clothing that's something for my business you know mm. um so so yeah so so getting that stuff organized and that's would be so that would be another thing that like um would be i think part of that process is showing people how to get organized in doing that show or whatever it ends mm -hmm. up being too um, mm -hmm. And specifically with file naming, that's an interesting one because um, what I like to do is if you can organize your file folders and nest them in a way that you're effectively organizing that structure, you can then use a bulk file renaming utility to rename the files within that structure to follow those naming conventions. Let's say I have a file structure that's called... Uh, Fresh Eye Image Consulting is my business. Let's say I have a structure that's called photo shoots. Uh, no, let's say I have a structure that says clients. And then under that, I have one that says Nick. And then under that, I have a folder that says photo shoot October 1st. And I've got all these photos that I shot of him. Then I can use that file structure to call it Fresh Eye Client Nick Photo Shoot October 1st. Be the file name. So that actually is a super useful file name for that file. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I could definitely see myself using that. 
I think it would really help with audio files too. Yes. Um, because I, yeah, like I think when you download uh, from Zoom, a lot of the numbers, like they all just kind of blend in together, right? Like you get the person's name, but like yeah. I get confused. Like just because the way I store things, I'm like, oh shit, I just imported the wrong one. This isn't there. Yeah. So I, I definitely need to um, get more focused or more intentional. Yes. And it's interesting you use that word because what's funny there is that that is an instance where, as I understand it, the way to kind of like make that work for us is in when we're actually making the call, when you're, when you're putting together the link, changing mm -hmm. that event name from zoom call or zoom recording or whatever it is to, mm -hmm. you know, Jordan and Robbie, uh, March 9th, Mm -hmm. episode recording and then i believe that when that meeting ends that will be the file naming convention of that m4a file that you get oh that's a great idea because i've been sort of like organization nation just like coming yeah. up with all these sort of random names but if i name it like after the podcast jordan and robbie and then yeah that's a really good idea and then the date um so that there isn't that confusion because yeah, even like today, dates. like I, I sent you a Zoom link yesterday and then it was gone when I went to start it today. I'm like, oh, I probably set it for two o'clock in the morning or whatever. Like, right. I actually have a peek at that now because I'm curious because, um, yeah, I was wondering about that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Um, mm. What other kind of like organizational stuff mm. or if um, anything? You know, I, I think that really covers a lot of it. Uh, the, the challenges that I have anyway, um, and I really like as I'm getting uh, deeper into just understanding this, under, like getting to know that that structure is so important um, because I, I don't know, I love having free time. And here's the other thing, too, I guess that I realized about organization is that I, I do seek out um, like structure sometimes. But if the structure doesn't make sense to me, I will immediately rebel to it. So it's not going to stick, yeah. right? Um, so I think that I would guess that other people have felt the same way because I know rebelliousness is part of the ADHD experience for many, many people. And so it, my mom and I were talking about this and like, and like how kind of how rebellious I was. And it was because I didn't understand the why. Right. And, and, and it's the other reason that I couldn't grasp mathematics because I needed you to explain to me why the fuck all these X's and Y's are doing this. What are we doing this for? What does this lead to? What does it all mean? Like I needed to understand philosophically <laughs> what all this was for. And of course no one could explain that to me. So I didn't do well in math. And um, so, yeah, for me, I think it's just understanding the why of getting things organized. And, and I don't have so much of a problem um, with keeping things kind of tidy around the house. Uh, that's not been too much of an issue with me. I think partly because when I was traveling as a young woman, when I was like 19, I ended up uh, in Greece and then again in Israel. And I worked as an au pair and I had to manage like a family's house um, and mm. keep things clean and organized. And I just learned how to do that. And that's never left me. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm really clean, a little bit messy and, my partner will tell you I have a really hard time hitting the laundry hamper with my clothes. Like they always end up like on either side of it or in front of it, very rarely in it. Um, but the, but, but Clint, like being clean has always been quite important to me. Mm. Um, and that's, that's, that doesn't elude me uh, still, but I do know that cause my partner's even more fastidious than I am. And he went away not that long ago. He had to work out of town and it was amazing, like within 12 hours, like how messy the coffee table and the living room <laughs> and everything got. And my clothes were all over the place. And I was like, yeah. wow. Okay. So I'm really doing this like because I'm living with somebody and I'm paying attention to his needs as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, otherwise, that's definitely part of my experience. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just like, what do you mean the sweater doesn't go on the couch? Like, of course my toot goes on the chair. That's where I'm sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I can just leave it there. Like, and that, yeah, that, that, um, extension cord and that patch cord and all that stuff. Like it's just sitting over there in the chair, but I'll move it later. <laughs> can we go back to the yeah. math thing for like one second? Sure. 
I just I think it's interesting because um, I had the same problems, but I suspect that neither of us are actually bad at abstraction or not interested in mathematical concepts. Kind of that was something that AJ talked about a little bit when he was on, um, mm. and I thought that we could have uh, spent a little bit more time kind of exploring that. So yeah, mm. that was interesting. Yeah, um, and I've often wondered if I were to take a math class now, how how it would go for me. Mm. Like because I would also be able to better advocate and ask the kinds of questions that I could maybe get clear answers on, you know, whereas in high school, I would just disappear like under my desk or whatever, or yeah. fall asleep because I would get like so overwhelmed that I get understimulated and just check out. Um, but yeah, or I don't know if I need to take that on right now, too, because like I, I know I, I do the same thing that you do where I get excited and I take on all these things. And I really have a hard time with signing up for all the webinars on Sunday night. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then only attending one of them. Like I do that like like the last three weeks, the last three weeks in a row. I've had like two or three different webinars scheduled throughout the week. I don't go to any of them. It's not like they're weird times or anything. I know about them. They're in the calendar. And I just like I can't. Like, I just like the idea of being no, on a Zoom like, call. I just can't do it. I like, get just... it. Because, again, as, as as interesting and engaging as that stuff is, en masse, it becomes administrative again. Mm. That, that That's, again, where as, as, as much as it would be nice to be able to consume all of that stuff, if I went to every Eventbrite seminar that I was interested in, that would be my full-time job. And so that's mm. why I get why people... I get in the abstract why someone would hire a personal assistant and just mm -hmm. be like, you're, you're my fucking Eventbrite guy. Like, I want you to follow all the shit in the industry and break this stuff down for me and tell me what I need to know. But it's mm -hmm. like, nobody has that guy. That mm -hmm. guy is a guy that's doing it for himself and he's got a newsletter on Substack that costs 25 yeah. bucks a month to subscribe to. Mm -hmm. And that's how that guy's being many people's effectively industry news personal assistant to like a bunch mm. of too busy executives or whatever. So like I, mm. I again need, need to kind of like recognize opportunities like that where would I rather one-on-one -on -one firsthand engage with all this content? Yes. Are there places and areas of my life where like figuring out aggregators would actually work better for me? Also, yes, as fucking disheartening mm. as that is to admit to myself, like yeah. <laughs> I get it to some degree. If there's mm. if there's so many only so many hours in the day and a lot of things you want to do, I, exactly. I would love to fucking have a PA to run my life, even though I don't make any money. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, I'd, I would like that too. But I would also like somebody who would uh, check me before I sign up for all the things. Somebody, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure, Robbie? Like. I don't know if this is something you're even all that interested in. Is it just because you saw a tweet? Like, come <laughs> on, man. Like, um, yeah, that, that one, uh, the Twitter thing. It's just, it's interesting. I'm only back on it for like two months and I've already got issues with it and I've got to like scale back. So I need to talk about Twitter for a sec with you. I'm not even trying to cultivate a squeaky clean image for myself. Far from it. But it's just like. No, I, I don't need that energy and especially not from a total stranger. So mm -hmm. like, you know, I, so, so I had to kind of set that boundary and just be like, I don't, I don't need that. Like that's, that's not, no, no. And it, and, and you're absolutely right. Like that it, it is your Twitter feed, right? Like we often forget that. And I definitely forget that as a people pleaser, right? Like, Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Like you were telling me that one time because some dude on LinkedIn was asking me to cite different yeah. studies about something. And I was like, and I actually started Googling it. And then I was like, what am I doing? God, I don't know. You know, like you said, you don't know that guy's shit. And unfortunately, social media can make us feel like we're beholden sometimes, um, but we're really not. No, no, none of us know anyone, anything, and especially not a fucking stranger on the internet. Especially not a stranger on the internet. Um, and you know the outrage right now is 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 and it has been for a long time just just always right the, up there right and people are looking for a reason to get pissed off and and uh, whether or not you engage with that i guess is kind of your choice right but yeah that's what i'm finding the most fatiguing about twitter sometimes even though mm. i have all kinds of different mutes on different keywords and stuff <laughs> some days i just like log in and i'm like oh shit and then i just 
I'll either get sucked in or I just have to check out right away because I just can't right. cope. Because right? <laughs> it's and it's you know most people know this now that the algorithms like favor outrage and like negativity, sure. so people feed that right because they're like, oh, this gets me attention because everybody does want to feel seen, and yes, everybody does deserve to feel seen unless you're total asshole. <laughs> um, but still, it's the total assholes are the ones that are getting seen the most often because yeah. of the way the algorithms run, which I disagree with, but. Um, yeah, that's, I always get a little bit soapboxy about that stuff. And we were, Osvaldo and I were just talking about that today. Just like, what if the algorithms favored beauty and connection and collaboration and community? What if they favored that instead? And that's what we were seeing more of in our timelines. Mm. Instead of people being, you know, verbally violent to each other or oppressive or racist. What if you saw people doing something really fucking nice just because they felt like it? Right. I mean, you have to actively seek that out. It does exist. There's podcasts all about it. You know, yeah. I was able to spend like two hours last night watching YouTube videos of people just being nice to each other because that's what he felt like he needed. And I just think that's so great, you know, that, that you can do that. But I would just love to see more of that. And maybe um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to kind of reframe. Reframing is a big thing right now. And this is maybe even a separate show after talking to my therapist last week. Um when I look back, back sort of in my career and my recent career experiences, when I look at what happened there is just like, that's just an organization. I've just even stopped calling it by name because that helps me get that separation that I need. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but um, just looking at it, like it is not necessarily my job to fix the nonprofit industrial complex this week. I don't yeah. necessarily have to do that. Right. What, what my job is, is to get, well enough and organized enough and clear enough in my in myself that I can be contributing to the world in a meaningful way, um, adding value with the skills that I have, um, getting enough rest, eating properly, getting outside, taking care, being in community. Um, it's I am not the general manager of the universe. Like it's not my fucking fault that things are as shitty as they are in some situations. I bet I can help where I can, but I also don't need to like spend all this time feeling bad about something that didn't work out that was eight months of my life right um i don't know why that just yeah that just came up really strongly for me i just need to articulate it because it's 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 that felt like turning a corner for me as soon as i made that decision to reframe it yeah losing my voice that means we're going <laughs> time, usually when i've been talking for a long time <laughs>